Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Graphic Design is Fun podcast. My name's Dan. Today, things are getting scientific. Today, we are chatting with Nuria Melissa Morales Garcia, founder of sciencegraphicdesign.com, which is a great domain name, by the way. Love a good domain name. Uh, so here's the deal. Melissa, Dr. Melissa, I should say, uh, comes from the world of science, the world of academia. She studied biology and paleontology. She has a PhD in paleontology uh, and somehow found her way into basically running a design studio, uh, but focusing on science-related things, posters, infographics, illustrations, animations, data visualization, all kinds of beautiful work, and just kind of something different that I hadn't really... Like, I hadn't really seen someone focusing on, like, this science niche before. Uh, I now realize that there's actually lots of science-centric uh, designers and illustrators out there. But, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was uh, very cool and, you know, kind of like an unsung hero of design type of thing that's maybe, you know, not as sexy as, like, rebranding some tech company or whatever, but... You know, it's like the bread and butter design that makes the world go round. And uh, yeah, so I was really excited that uh, Melissa was down to chat. We talked about how she went from being a scientist to a graphic designer, uh, how she got her first clients, her first commissions. Um, we talked actually, at the time, she was in the process of trying to hire some designers to, to come work with her. And just looking at her uh, website now, uh, it appears she has brought on two new designers to the team at sciencegraphicdesign.com, which is pretty cool. She seems to to really be killing it, um, and uh, yeah, man, she's she's awesome. Hope you enjoy the episode. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends and family and loved ones. And um, without further ado, Dr. Nuria Melissa Morales Garcia, PhD. Enjoy. All right, Melissa, thank you for uh, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, first, thank you so much for watching me. Really excited to be here. So I, I want to tell you how I uh, I found your your website in the first place because it was just kind of random. Um, I, I wasn't searching for science graphic design related things i uh i just found the the this website called kofi kofi i mm -hmm. think that's how it's pronounced yeah and um i don't know how i ended up on kofi but it's kind of like patreon or like one of these websites where you can like pay or like support uh creative people and uh, i just searched i just typed in graphic design just for fun just to see what came up and yours was the first one and i was like oh what is this science graphic design <laughs> really? And then I just went down the rabbit hole and like, yeah, went through your, your whole website and everything. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was so cool. And, and it's like a, a specific niche that I haven't actually really seen people doing. I mean, I, I know I realize now that it's a it's a big thing, like science needs graphic design, obviously, but it's just something I hadn't really thought about. So uh, that's really interesting. I'm always curious as to how people find me. I think that a lot of the time people find me through Twitter. 
He is. Uh, Academics are very active on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, it's probably <laughs> cool how you find me. <laughs> yeah. Like, do, do you still use Ko-Fi? Um, I should use it more. Uh, I've just been really busy lately, so I haven't had a lot of time for posting stuff on social media. Um, I went through like a phase that uh, every week I was posting like a video on how to do something related to graphic design. And I would post it in Instagram, Twitter, and Yang Ko-Fi as well. But yeah, I haven't met it in a while. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll uh, get back to it. All right. So let, let's talk about, I guess, um, or let's let's start with like your background. You're um you're 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 born in Mexico, and mm -hmm. and where where in Mexico are you from? Uh, I'm from a city near uh, Mexico City, but I don't think anyone else. But it's called Pachuca. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I, I don't know that, but and then did did you move to the UK for school? Yeah, I did my undergrad in Mexico and master's and PhD in the UK. What did you What did you study? What did, What did you go to school for? Um, so I did my undergrad in biology, and then I did my master's and my PhD in paleontology. And just to be clear, paleontology is what exactly? <laughs> um, it's the study of extinct organisms. Um, I, in particular, studied the mammals that lived at the same time as dinosaurs. Um, wow. Everyone always thinks that I studied dinosaurs, but I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, just these teensy little creatures uh, that, you know, I lived a very long time ago. Okay, the mammals that lived at the same time as dinosaurs. And is that, because I, I saw something on your website, Mesozoic mammals? That's mm -hmm. what that yeah, word exactly. means? Okay, interesting, interesting. So so what what brought you to study that specifically? Like, was that just something you were particularly interested in? Um. I was always um, interested in, uh, well, first of all, I love biology, um, um, but specifically, I really love mammals. And then when I was in my undergrad, um, I always thought I was going to study like genetics or molecular biology or something, uh, you know, very like lab intensive like that. Uh, but then one of my teachers was a paleontologist uh, and I had a chance to do a research project with him. And then I liked it so much that I was like, yes, I'm going to be an academic and I am going to uh, study paleontology, mammals in particular. Um, so I've just done a few research projects on different, on very different groups of mammals. Um, um, and yeah, uh, I mean, I guess that's um, very different from graphic design. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been yeah. fun. Okay. And We'll 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 get to to graphic design, of course. But I'm just curious, like, so what does doing research on extinct mammals look like? Like, how do you, how does one conduct research on on extinct mammals? Uh, it can be all sorts of different things. For my undergrad, I was literally uh, taking out, you know, the bones of mastodons. They're like uh, relatives of elephants and mammoths. Uh, and I would just uh, describe them, measure them, uh, measure them, uh, photograph them. Um, and then for my masters, uh, I was measuring a bunch of camel bones that lived in North America a long time ago. Um, so, you know, a lot of like measuring extinct animals and then comparing them with modern animals so that um, okay. you can find similarities between the two of them. Um, and make uh, 
inferences on, for example, what these animals were eating, what environments. Um, and then by the time I got to my PhD, I was actually making 3D models of fossils and analyzing them using engineering techniques um, to analyze how they were functioning. So I was looking at the jaws of mammals. And if you analyze how they function, you can be like, oh, this uh, animal had a jaw strong enough to eat meat, but this one didn't. So it was probably eating insects or something like that. Huh. That's fascinating. Wow. <laughs> I, I feel like I could talk. I, I'm, I have so many questions. Like, why, why, did some, why did these animals go extinct and, and not others? Yeah, well, that's like the question uh, all paleontologists ask themselves all oh, the time, okay. right? Where do these animals go extinct? Um, I mean, Mesozoic mammals lived for a very, very, very long time. So, you know, animals just go extinct sometimes because they don't have the resources they need. Um, the environment changes or um, a lot of Mesozoic mammals died at the same time as the dinosaurs did with the asteroid impact. Right. Uh, but some of them survived and they gave rise to us and to all of the mammals that, see, that you see um, today. So, yeah, it's really uh, a big number of reasons. That's super cool. Wow. Um, yeah, just stuff you to eat or that I, I don't really think about, but it's uh, it's really, really fascinating. Um, I'll, I'll have to look through through uh, your your papers and because and, no, that, that's really <laughs> cool. Okay, so, I mean, I guess... The question or the the reason we're we're chatting today. Now you're a professional graphic designer. Is that that's fair to mm -hmm. say? How how did how did that come about? How did you you go from the science background to working in graphic design? Yeah, for sure. Um, so in academia in science, we always have to make graphics of all sorts. We have to make figures for papers. We have to make posters for conferences. They have to make presentations. Um, and I found when I was um, uh, studying my master's and PhD that making the figures was always my favorite, well, one of my favorite parts of, you know, the whole thing. Um, and I used to think uh, that it would be so cool if there was actually a job in which they gave me money to do figures. Um, but it never really crossed my mind that that was an actual job and that people would actually give me money to make their graphics. So uh, I was coming to the end of my PhD. Uh, this was at the start of the pandemic. Um, and there is a uh, life sciences uh, graphics online platform called BioRender. Uh, they make all sorts of uh, really, really cool figures for science. And they hosted a contest on uh, making graphical abstracts. And I was like, yeah, I guess like I could do this. Um, Sorry, what's a know? graphical abstract? Uh, okay, so a graphical abstract is um, a graphic summary of a paper, of a, a research paper. So uh, they're uh, becoming more and more common um, in science uh, in recent years. So. A paper is um, structured of different parts. The main one is the abstract, which is a text summary of the whole thing. Uh, and recently people came up with a graphical abstract. So it's just um, an image that uh, you know Got it. Um, shows what's going on in the paper. 
Um, so yeah, BioRender uh, hosts this uh, graphical abstract contest. Um, and I decided to join. Um, and one of their, they had like different categories for, for prices and stuff. And one of them was the, uh, that people could vote for you. Uh, and the one with the most votes would win something, right? So I started sharing my, the graphical abstract that I made on Twitter. Um, and people feel, uh, really seem to like them. Um, and yeah, I mean, the contest aside, a few weeks or months later, one of my friends, that I, that's uh, one of the abstracts that I made for the competition, uh, emails me and goes like, Hey, do you think that you could make a couple of graphical abstracts for me for a paper that I'm um, about to publish and I will uh, pay you some money? And I was like, at that point, I was like, so you want me to make the thing that I love making? And on top of everything, you want to give me money? Like, <laughs> just like I was like so amazed at the whole concept. Um, and then, you know, I made the, the graphics for him and then I shared them on Twitter. And then just like every so often someone would, uh, would contact me uh, to make graphics for them. Um, and at some point I decided, you know, like I need a, a website and I'm actually going to actively start offering my services as a graphics designer. Um, so I did. <laughs> and uh, it's been like two-ish two two -ish years since I uh, did that. Uh, and I'm very lucky that people are still contacting me uh, to make graphics for them for science. Um, so, you know, the, the job that I thought someone had to make up and give me, I actually could just do it myself. Freelance, uh, um, and yeah, people responded, and uh, period. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. And was that while you were doing a PhD? Like you, you. I'm I'm trying to get the timeline straight. Like like you, you've completed a PhD at this point. Mm -hmm. But was was this while you were still at school, or or after? I was in the very last months of my PhD. Okay. So I was just writing up my thesis, um, and I had a teensy bit of time in the side. Also, we were in a lockdown, so it's not like I could go outside and oh, do it. Oh, yeah, this is like during COVID, um, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, in the first few months, it was like one commission a month. Um, right. You know, very, very small commissions. So I wasn't taking up that much of my time. It wasn't until I probably finished my PhD, and then I didn't have anything else to do, but I was like, okay, I'm... It's going to be my full-time work, my full-time job. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's just been, um, it started from something very small, and now I actually do have work all the time. Amazing. Um, and so is, this, is, is, is that the plan, to just continue um, as, you know, as a, as a designer, or, or will you ever return to uh, academia and, like, sort of more formal science i am actually in academia right now i am a postdoc um in the same department but i am only part-time oh, okay um in the time that i was in academia i managed to grow my business quite a lot and i absolutely love it and i want to keep doing it forever if i can so i'm trying to juggle both <laughs> uh, and very recently, well, I'm actually, as we speak, I am in the process of um, interviewing people so that they 
joined my team as graphic designers and we can continue to grow uh, the business. Oh yeah, I saw you posting that, that you're hiring. That's cool. That's that's pretty exciting. That's big actually. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is It is really, really exciting. I'm, um, I'm so thankful that uh, people trust me enough with their very important research, uh, you know, that I get to communicate it via graphics. Um, but yeah, recently I've been um, getting too many <laughs> commissions and I cannot handle them all myself. And, you know, if I can um, provide these graphics for everyone and also um, help other budding science graphic designers become more established, I'm all up for it. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. And oh, okay, so I guess going back to, you know, kind of, or I guess, you know, speaking of like these commissions and, and you know, the, the early days of your freelancing when your friends would message you asking for graphics, how, like, if, if I'm, you know, a, a PhD a biologist or whatever, and I don't have a friend like you, how, how, how is it normally done? Is, is it a, a matter of like always contracting out a designer or is a lot of this stuff being designed by sort of the researchers themselves and it just looks like crap or like how, how does that, that process usually go? Um, I would say that no scientists make their own figures for one of two reasons. One, they don't have money to um, commission someone uh, or two, they don't know that they can get someone else to make their figures. Right. Um, because, so, what we try to do as science graphic designers is communicate a very complex research idea into something that more people can understand. A lot of the time, these are just more scientists. Of course, you can make graphics to communicate with the general public, but most of my commissions are to um, yeah, communicate research to other scientists in a, in a similar okay. field. So you want someone that is also a scientist that is familiar with the publishing process or with conferences or has like at least a similar base level of understanding of a biological process, for example. Um, and so uh, in my mind, uh, someone doing a PhD, a master's, they have an extremely valuable background or expertise because even if they are not in the exact same field as the scientist that is commissioning the graphic, they can kind of understand what the scientist wants. And it's only a matter of learning the, um, the graphic design side of things. But the good thing is that I've met so many scientists that really love making graphics. Uh, so they have some base understanding of what to to do to create a good graphic. And also another thing is that scientists in general do not get uh, training on how to make graphics, which I think is kind of absurd because as I previously said, we all have to make figures, posters, presentations, etc. But no one teaches us how to make them. Um, so we do our best. Right. So yeah, uh, unless there's someone out there that knows that has the knowledge of 
the science aspect and the graphic design aspect um, that can help you then you just do what you can yeah so you having a background in, in biology and paleontology mm -hmm. that's that's most of the the work you get like you do you, do you ever get commissions from people who are like in chemistry or physics or something and i guess do do you get those types of commissions and do you say yes or do you say oh that's not what i do um i do get them from time to time uh and i say yes um almost always unless i'm really not qualified uh, but basically what i like doing is i like uh, having a zoom call with uh, the researcher and i ask them to explain to me what on earth they're trying to communicate <laughs> with their graphic. So if they are forced to explain to me what that is in the simplest of terms, then it's fine. I can I can make a graphic out of it. Right. Uh, because we, we usually uh, start with a draft that they make and then they explain it to me. And now that they, I understand that, then we can make it nicer, right? But yeah, I would say most of my commissions are in the life sciences area, but I've definitely gotten commissions from psychologists, from physicists, um, even people outside of academia as well. Mm -hmm. What software do you use mostly? Like, is it mostly Illustrator or do you do you use some other more like, I don't know, funky science related software? Um, I actually, uh, I mean, my go-to software is Illustrator, definitely. Um, you know, sometimes I use like InDesign or something uh, similar. I guess it depends on the graphic. If uh, there is someone that needs help with data visualization and then they send me like an Excel file with their data, then I use um, R, which is... Oh my God, R. Um, you know, like coding, <laughs> like uh, producing plots and stuff. Um, that's um, complicated sometimes. Yeah. Wow, uh, you I use like R. It very much. That's amazing. <laughs> R like gives me, uh, I mean, that just hearing that like triggers me. Like I had to use R. I I, I studied math in in my um, undergrad, so we had like statistics courses. And R is the worst thing ever. It's like this most horrible, like <laughs> unusable software. Is, is it still <laughs> like that, or is it like? I mean, I, my memory of R is that it was basically just a nightmare to use. Um, I think that I'm just like used to it by now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I had to use it, you know, since my master's and PhD to analyze data. Um, but my problem back then is that it would stress me out so much that I couldn't get figure to look nice when using R. Um, I can make them look slightly better now. <laughs> uh, but a lot of the time I just end up um, saving it as a PDF and then opening it in Illustrator and then I can modify things by hand right, got it. to make them look exactly what I want them to look like. I know that you can, if you're very good at R, you can produce a very beautiful figure oh, wow. without having to do any more editing in um, Illustrator. Uh, but I'm not good at R, <laughs> so I do what I can. Um, well, one topic I, I wanted to bring up because I, I've seen you um, post a few like sort of articles um, on your on your blog about accessibility. I, I thought it was really interesting because I feel like it's 
got to be especially important in education because it's you know it's especially important that like everybody can can access this stuff the same well, one thing i actually saw that i didn't even know existed was um previewing your your work for people with like different kinds of color blindness that there's actually like a setting in adobe in illustrator where you can preview to see what this would look like with different kinds of color blindness anyway that's mm -hmm. kind of just a side note but i thought that was fascinating i didn't know you could do that um but yeah i guess like what 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 are your thoughts on on accessibility in graphic design specifically like for for science uh yeah it's a really good question so in my mind it is very clear that uh the way we communicate science has to be accessible the a science is meant to be communicated uh one of our jobs as researchers is to communicate whatever our findings are effectively if um however we communicate our research is not accessible then that just means we are not communicating effectively because we're effectively cutting out a chunk of the population just because they happen to have uh, some type of disability um so that you know that to me is unthinkable that you would uh, uh, willingly be doing this of course a lot of the time um the way science is communicated if it's not accessible it's not because people are going out of their way to make it uh, inaccessible is more that we haven't been taught how to make it accessible and you know if they don't teach us how to design graphics they're definitely not going to teach us how to make those graphics accessible right um so i think it's just the a lack of um training uh for scientists um and really to make uh science graphics accessible um it's not that hard you just have to know what you're doing. Um, so yeah, like you say, um, in my blog I talk about this. Uh, I've been trying to uh, read uh, about it uh, as much as I can because I want the graphics that um, I produce uh, to be as inclusive as possible, right? So a lot of the time it's just, you know, like you mentioned uh, color blindness, right? Scientists use uh, graphs, plots, whatever, all of the time. We color code things all of the time. If you go to that setting in Illustrator that um, emulates how a person with color blindness uh, would see your graph, if you're not using the right colors, uh, all the meaning, all the meaning in your plot can be lost like this, just because you chose the wrong colors. And you know, changing a color in a plot. Is something that can be done super quickly you just need to be thinking about these considerations from the start because if you go ahead and make a poster or make an infographic or something very complex uh, and then you preview it at the end with a colorblind emulator um, and you realize that it's not accessible at all you're gonna have to go back and redo it and in the best of cases you just change the colors and that's it uh, but what if your entire idea is uh, is wrong just because you didn't think about uh, the accessibility considerations at the start and now you have to 
redraft the whole thing, you know, try to communicate it in a different way so that it's accessible to uh, most people, you know. So, yeah, I think that we need to advocate for these accessibility considerations to be um, part of, you know, everyone's knowledge uh, as scientists. Um, because, you know, if we if we don't do it, like, who is going to do it? I, I appreciate you speaking on that topic. I think it's it's an important one, and I think it's something that's becoming more and more talked about, but still probably is not not as common knowledge as as it should be, and and certainly, like you were saying, not something that's always taught. So, just something to something to be aware of, and and I think also. It's it's usually not that difficult. It's just a question of just being aware of it, um, and if you can take um, it into consideration, it's 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 not necessarily going to cause you a bunch of extra work. Um, yeah, exactly. And like what I always like to say is that, uh, you know, making your work accessible is not going to make it look bad. Yeah, if anything, your work might end up looking even better because you're using more contrasting colors. You're, uh, I don't know, like. I've cli- uh, adding clarifying notes or like um, a bunch of accessibility considerations just make your look uh, your work look better. It's just like a win-win. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think uh, I, th- I think I've I've gone through through my questions. Um, <laughs> thanks for doing this. This was super fun. Yeah. Of course. Now I've had a, a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Graphic Design is Fun podcast. If you want to support the show, you can share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can leave a five-star review. Any of those things helps a ton. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Oh, and you can follow on Instagram at graphic design is fun. Yeah.